0: Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle.
1: And I must be your other co host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Welcome back. It's
0: Monday. It's uh, Thanksgiving week.
1: Yes, it is Thanksgiving week here in uh, the United States for all our international listeners. Oh, thank you. Yes, I was being very uh, uh, America first. Presumptuous? Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we are we are here today, Thanksgiving week, Monday, talking about minute 53 of the search for Spock. Minute 53 starts with Krug checking his tricorder on the blustery surface of Genesis. And ends a minute later with Savik saying, So, like your father, you changed the rules. <laughs> I love that line. It's a good one. She's got a couple good ones in this minute, I think.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so, it starts out... Uh, right where we left off in last minute, uh, Krug and a couple of his uh, soldiers, henchmen, uh, stooges. Stooges. Well, yes. I guess so let's, let's continue with the stooges. Uh, so this would be Shemp and Mo. No, Shemp and Joe. Shemp and Joe. Yes, right, it's the alternate stooges. Uh, we haven't seen these guys before, right? These these guys were not on the bridge.
1: Uh, not that I know of. It's <clears throat> it is entirely possible that one of them could be. One of the dwarves that you pointed out in right. our uh, previous, yeah, you know previous uh, stuff, but uh, I don't remember seeing either of these two gentlemen.
0: Yeah, I don't either, and I, I don't think they're the dwarves because they don't have the groovy, uh, full-on beards.
1: Yeah, well, so. maybe. Yeah. yeah, I agree. catch yep. right. gotcha.
0: So Champ and Joe, and I, I didn't really—I didn't talk about this last minute when they arrived when we first saw these guys, but yep. my memory and maybe I've already forgotten we're on minute 53, but my memory was when Savick and David arrived in the same area, wasn't it, weren't we talking about jungly stuff? Did yeah. we say jungle? This doesn't look jungle to me.
1: Yeah, it definitely looked much different than what we're seeing here. It's, it looks
0: more, uh, more, more deserty, or I want to say the jungle, like, you know, there was a fire. It, do you know what I'm saying? It, there's, there's something very dry
1: about it, even though, this greenery in the background well I think when I think also the scene where we see David in um David in Savick land or land <laughs> that Trekkie uh when they when they materialize in oh, it was a green screen so right. there was that effect and I think they did a, you know they had most of the foliage and it did it looked very green and here we are definitely seeing a lot more uh I don't know if it's the way the plants are but they look definitely dead
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and, yeah, you can definitely see in the background that there's a lot more brown than green, and this could be just part of the natural cycle of Genesis. Right. Yeah. and As it if, continues to evolve.
0: Yeah. And if it is, uh, you know, if this is deliberate and, say, just not, you know, poorly designed set, uh, if this is deliberate to, it, I think it's, in a way, it's subtle. Right. right. We're going to learn in the next few minutes that, something's different about genesis um you know about things accelerating and this is this is a kind of subtle way of showing that wait a minute something's not right here right or 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 they've just they've just beamed down to a different section of genesis because we know genesis is made up of all different types of terrain yep anyway i it's I, i wanted to call it out because it's something that i i've noticed since like the first time I've watched the film and every every time I watch it I always get a little uh, I always have a question mark like wait a minute this something off about this moment um, And I don't know I kind of like that it. it could be it could just be that it's supposed to be some of the Genesis evolution
1: could be yeah I mean that's I don't know if I necessarily took it as that um, but I do remember that they're landing. Again, I say landing. They're beaming in in a different location. Maybe maybe they're not like in the exact spot. I know they head, getting ahead of myself here in minutes, but they do head to the same location. That I, I think my initial thought when I saw this minute was, oh, I see some dead foliage, um, but they look like they're in a different spot than David and Savik. Right.
0: And they're getting like, dust blown in their face. Yes. Right, which is also...
1: So they may have come in, like, on the edge of, like, maybe one of the desert areas or something. Uh,
0: where the snow meets the desert? <laughs> vice versa. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah something yeah. like that. Uh, what do you think
0: of uh, the Klingon Tricorder?
1: Um, it sounds like my phone. <laughs> <laughs> ring, ring. Ring. It totally sounds like my cell my, not my cell phone, my, uh, my landline cordless phone. That's pretty funny.
0: Who knew how futuristic your phone was?
1: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. It just had, it's, has that little pop-up thing that Krug is looking at with the little green yeah square. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I like yeah. it. It doesn't look as you know, uh, you know, with all Klingon stuff. It they always have that kind of uh, doubles it doubles as a weapon look to it. Yeah, you know, that kind of hard edge and. Um, Federation stuff, especially later in Next Generation, everything's got you know curves and smooth, and um, I, I like that it's different enough that you know, looking at it, I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like Federation gear to me; it looks Klingon.
1: Yeah, that totally looks Klingon. Yeah. Do you know, Dave, who's playing our
0: our Klingon pals here?
1: So I know, I, yeah. I know, I know Shemp. Shemp is played by uh, actor named Dave. Cadente or cadent? It's uh, c-a-d-e-n-t-e. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I do not know who's playing Curly Joe.
0: <laughs> okay, it's always a bummer when. Uh, well, we've talked about that before. These uh, all these uncredited people that are getting <clears throat> some decent screen time.
1: Right. Um, it's very windy on the planet too, in the in the region that uh, Krug and his uh, goons are in. Right. It's very very windy.
0: Very windy. I'm, I'm, I'm pausing and trying to remember my, you know, high school meteorology. Uh, <laughs> why is it windy? Because it's air rushing from one area to another. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on our pals of Klingons?
1: I I don't have anything right now. No. We'll see more of them later. For sure. Oh,
0: other than, no. Wait, one, a crew has some nice jewelry going on. He's got a couple He's got at least, I don't know if it's one ring that, like, you know, kind of... Wraps around.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I guess he does. Or, yeah.
0: Um, but uh, I would not want to get punched.
1: <laughs> looks like he's wearing some sort of, and I, maybe I never noticed it before. Look, is he wearing some sort of neck, like band or something, like a choker? A
0: choker. Uh, you're thinking of McCoy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got kind of. Yeah, he's got some. He's got some jewelry there. He's got. he some
1: puka shells or something. And then our uh, our friend there in the foreground, farthest to the right. He's got some sort of silver, silver, like uh, ornamental thing in his hair.
0: Yeah, and we've seen those before too. I think. Uh, yeah. I think the guy you say is played by John Larroquette. Malts.
1: Malts, yes.
0: And I do like. Uh, geez, I guess I had more Cleon stuff. I do like the. Uh, I do like that these. Let's just call them soldiers. You know, they're like yep. grunts or whatever. Uh, they look like they're ready. They've got you know. Uh, like a metal turtleneck on right there.
1: Yeah, they're, they're ready for battle.
0: They're ready for battle. Like, they are they might as well be wearing, you know, a suit of armor, right? So their neck is all set. All right, that's all I have. Okay. So back to the uh, snowy desert. Back which, to the Arctic. Which now has thunder, which I'd, mm. never, I'd never really noticed that before. But uh, yeah. you know, in watching this, like, ooh, thunder. Thunder in a snowstorm, I have experienced it once in my life. And it's very, like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> it's right. It's very disconcerting, because that's not, you know, that those don't go hand in hand normally. Uh, so it's a nice touch that is thrown in here. I don't know if they, they're not reacting to it. Are they Is Savik actually? No, she, she might be kind of looking up at the sky when she first walks into frame. And so I don't know if she's, it's because she just heard thunder and is like, what the heck is going on? Mm, maybe. She still has her bag.
1: And I- yeah, and David looks totally exasperated that he had to carry uh, Spock all that way. He gives her he he gives her this look as if to say, like, "Can we stop? This kid is killing me." Yeah, my back, <laughs> my back. You Vulcans are dense.
0: It's <laughs> heavy. Yeah. So they they so they sit down. Um, I, I thought they were going to bond a little bit or something. Or right. Yeah. Like, let me share with you how I feel about you know, Spock. Or. Um, but instead she puts him right on the defensive
1: but she doesn't do it in such a way that's accusatory like mm. like I could have expected a not, like if it was a human character you know it's, it's time for total truth between us man you know this planet is not what you intended but she is very soft and very you know she's not very accusatory in her tone mm. she's just you know uh, it's time for total truth between us that this planet is not what you intended or hoped for is it why do you think she says that? Uh, I mean, it,
0: you know, in retrospect, it's a good question for her to ask. But up to this point, is it just because she's like, well, we are just in the desert a few minutes ago. Now I'm in the middle of a snowstorm mm. and there's thunder. And, you know, is she, you know is, is she picking up on these clues? Or is
1: it just the fact well, that think, Spock is alive? Well, I is, think it's probably the weather. I think it's, you know, the... The, the thunder and the snowstorm that's Spock being alive I think that's the big key probably is like nah, something's not a, something's not quite kosher here <laughs> and I will bring up one thing about um, this line and I think you may have said it on Friday and you mentioned about Savik using contractions yeah she actually uses a contraction here she uses the word it's uh, alright it's time for total truth and that is contraction of it is. Alright. So I imagine it then. Mm. It's just No, I just wanted to bring it up that I, I think in most cases they don't use things like can't or won't. I think they use the you know, will not or cannot. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, the first word out of her mouth in this one is a contraction. <laughs> All right. You're calling me out. Thanks a lot, man. Calling you out. Uh, all right,
0: so so she's clued in. She thinks there's something weird going on, so she uh, asks David. And you know, it's not what you hope for, is it? And he said, "Not exactly," uh, which is what exactly? Is. <laughs> not exactly. That's what a, do you mean? Again, same thing. It's just like you know. So, what is it that uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad we're at this minute? So, let, let, so he, he David reveals that he uses proto in the Genesis yep. Matrix. So now, this is a whole thing that we can. Um, First question. Where's my first question? First question. You know, Davis is not exactly, and she says why. Well, I'll use proto Do you think? Do you think David, uh, even when they were up on the Grissom and you know scanning the terrain,
1: mm. uh,
0: do you think he already had some some doubts? Especially when the terrain kept changing. Do you think he, he was already worried about it?
1: Um, I think he was more excited about what was going on. In those early minutes when we see him up on the Grissom, I think maybe his, I don't want to, this is going to sound the wrong phrase, you know, lust for power. It's more of like his recognition, lust for recognition or scientific achievement was probably affecting his judgment, so to speak. Sure. And um, I think he even, you know, he alludes to that later in this minute about why he does it. Um, but I definitely don't get the feeling that he cares that much when they're on the Grissom. Right. That their things may be going wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's maybe maybe he was a um, you know wishful thinking. Like okay, maybe uh yeah. maybe there's gonna be a problem there. But also, and 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 you can stop me if I'm gonna be you know a huge you know uh, downer or whatever. But why didn't they have? did they have problems in the Genesis cave back on Regula?
1: Mm, Well, do we talk about this already? I feel like we, or do we talk about this uh, offline? We may have have had an offline discussion, but if we're going to talk about it, we might as well talk about our theories about what the difference between the cave, and we may have a little bit talked about stuff. Um, But I think, you know, the cave obviously was in a controlled environment. I mean, it was within... A planet, so they knew the environment they were working with. The uh, you know Starfleet comes in and digs out the tr- you know the cave, mm-hmm. you know the cave portion where they put all their supplies, and then they had this big open you know underground cavern that they could launch their device, and they were in complete control of everything. They knew the elements within the planet surface, you know the soil and the crust and the all that kind of stuff, and. I think when the you know, in in going back to even what Carol says, you know, there can't even be a microbe and you know, or the show is off. And I think again, they were in a controlled environment. Now when the reliant goes up, you have all kinds of variables there. You have Khan, all his people, DNA there, the ship, you know, all the antimatter from the Reliance warp core um, the Motara Nebula nearby. I think all of those factors probably lead one to believe that those are the elements that may go into the reason why this is not working right.
0: Right. Well, that's, uh, and I'm glad you brought that, brought all that stuff up because uh, I've always, I've always wondered that, you know, why did, the, why did, you know, harbinet Bennett have to write this in here that oh well, the reason that there's all these problems with Genesis is because he used protomatter. Couldn't they have used just to have gone a little further with some techno babble and do almost verbatim what you just said mm. <laughs> you know like well, it was never intended to detonate the Genesis device inside a nebula with a starship at its core you
1: know, yeah, I mean
0: all this again
1: again stage three was gonna be on a lifeless moon or a planetoid right.
0: Um, where yeah, you would think you'd be able to have a complete survey and know all the different elements that are present. And, right. Um, I mean, I love the fact that just just what you just said a minute ago that well, there was a warp core in there and antimatter and all of yeah. all of those things that are uh, wouldn't be on a dead planet or a dead moon.
1: And she even you know even when Savic her comment is is protomatter you know an unstable substance which every ethical scientist so two things I want to discuss there is you know an unstable science substance with which every ethical scientist in the Odyssey has denounced as dangerously unpredictable. So here you have this unpredictable substance within your matrix, and then you have all of these unpredictable elements, Warp Core, DNA, Motar Nebula, mixing with that. Clearly something is going to go wrong. You can't be slapping yourself on the back and being like, yay, I did it. Knowing full well that problems are probably going to arise.
0: Yeah, you forgot Khan, though. I like you. You you had Khan in your original list of
1: problems. Well, I I, I said DNA. (laughs) So DNA. Sorry. (laughs) You know, but yes, Khan. You know, and and all his people are still on the ship. Right. Um, The other thing here is—is she calling him unethical? Oh man, yeah, that's
0: a total burn that she just sneaks (laughs) in there.
1: I mean, she says it so matter-of-factly, you know, she's a Vulcan, but she says it like, you know, every other ethical scientist in the – and it's just like, that's total – she took the glove off and slapped him right in the face and be like, you ethical, unethical SOB. Yeah, this is a judgy Savic here. Yes.
0: <laughs> she could not She could have just said scientist, right? Every scientist in the galaxy has said his uh, – I find it – it's also an interesting distinction of, you know – every ethical scientist has denounced it uh is dangerously unpredictable so does that mean that the, the non-ethical ones are like no no proto great it's yeah all
1: good <laughs>
0: like it's a weird you know
1: two sides of the same coin or whatever but i feel like to go back to something you had said about like oh just technobabble i feel like this is this is the technobabble mm. and i feel like it's I just feel like it's too easy, too easy out to advance the plot here um, in the sense of, you know, she's like, you know, what she basically asks him. like, this is not what you wanted. What happened? And he's just like, you know, protomatter. You know, I use this protomatter stuff. And she's like, oh, well, that's unpredictable. And I feel like it's just too easy. It's like it makes me think of the movie um, Thank You for Smoking. And um he's like, you know, we gotta introduce smoking in space. Like let's do a movie about someone smoking in space and he's like, Well, there's no oxygen in space and it's like, Well, you just invent the thing and there you go, and then you're smoking. And it's like I feel like you just insert proto matter and oh, that's what caused it, and there you go. Right. And I feel like as we're discussing, we're seeing that there's so many different things that could have gone wrong with this that they could have had a discussion, even if it was two minutes worth of discussion, and just say I, you know, David goes, I really don't know what happened. You know, there's so many things that could have gone wrong with the, you know, the Genesis device. Yeah, they could have had inst- a – Instead, have. they – yeah, they insert insert keyword here and, oh, well, okay. Yeah, However, yeah. to her line at the end of the minute, I feel like, again, it's sort of a – it's all coming back to Kirk. You know, so like your father, you changed the rules and I think that ties him in with Kirk.
0: It feels a little different though though. A little different than the Kirk thing. Mm. So your Kirk, yeah, get Kirk changed the rules of the Kobayashi Maru. Right. Dave was just trying to solve some problems and he couldn't so he just cheated. He cheated, which I guess is similar.
1: Yeah. You know, David even says it, you know, it's like he changed I changed the conditions of the test. <laughs> And she's like, what? And, you know, we cheated. And here's the same thing. It's like, his answer is, but it was the only way to solve certain problems. Mm. And I feel like it's, we'd never hear of this again. No.
0: And the other thing that I want to, I think, is talked about in the novelization, or it could be imagining this whole thing, is, did he do this without his mother knowing?
1: You know, in reviewing this minute, that was one of the questions I had was, did he do this all on our own? Like, he couldn't get something to work. And he was like, oh, well, if I just add, you know, two kilojoules of protomatter or whatever, whatever measurement you use to measure protomatter in, you know, I, I can get the desired result. But the thing is, is, you know, Savic even says, you know, it's dangerously unpredictable. How many times did they have to... I feel like even consistently they wouldn't have been able to test it. And did he just get lucky? You know, they did the test in the in the laboratory nine times and nine times it happened to work. They do it in the underground cave and it just right. happens to work. Is this the one instance that it just doesn't happen to work? Like he just got unlucky here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, could could be. Yeah, could be just like a a randomizer.
1: Sometimes mm-hmm.
0: it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I was also trying to figure out if, you know, if he did it without Carol knowing, you know, was it just, you know, where was she? (laughs) You know, was she at dinner and he snuck back in the lab and just threw in his, what you call the kilojoules of protomatter, threw those (laughs) in there?
1: I figured it out. Maybe. Maybe it was just that simple. Yeah. Or maybe she was, um, maybe she was in on it. You know, you know, maybe she he said to her, said, you know, I, we're not gonna get this to work unless we we think of something outside because in the end it was her name on the project. It was her project. It wasn't his. Because he David even says to her, you know, you'll go down and you know, in the history books with Newton, Einstein, Sorak, yep. and I think in the end it was her name that would be tarnished by any unethical stuff. So I feel like maybe she was in on it.
0: Maybe, um, uh, maybe. But in the novelization, it, it is uh, Savick says uh, actually calls it out that Carol didn't know. Oh, Okay. Uh, she's like, "You did not." Savick says, "This is the, the conversation is fleshed out more in the novelization." And Savick says, "You did not. You did not tell your collaborators even after detonation. You did not tell Carol." Um, oh, okay. So. Yep. So so it's covered here and, it, and he does say he's you know he's continuing to defend himself too and he's like you know if i hadn't done it it might have been years or never you know genesis never would have worked yeah if you start to follow the if you start to follow the if you unwind it now um, yeah if there was no genesis you know if genesis didn't work khan probably wouldn't have gone after genesis you know uh Well, you how far back to unwind it? Chekhov wouldn't have gone to Seti Alpha. Khan wouldn't have been freed. (laughs) You know, all this—the whole chain of
1: events.
0: (laughs) Yes. Right, the whole chain of events of Wrath of Khan would almost would would either played out differently or not happened at all. Right. Yeah. And so this right here, I guess this moment, this minute is like, oh, it's all your fault, David. You caused all of this, right? By cheating.
1: Wow, that's a lot for a uh, that's a lot for a guy to take. No, no. Do you think you is should? your fault, you know, your fault. Terrell's not around.
0: Yeah, All those um, people
1: died on Reliant. Right, right. So, oof. It's That's uh, a pretty heavy, there, man. I had not even, I had not even <laughs> thought about the fact that, eh, in essence,
0: it's David's fault. Yeah, and I think that little uh, when he's rubbing his forehead, he probably realizes right there. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna be in trouble. Can he get in trouble? Would he get in trouble for that? Um, you know, for like so. Okay, so let's let's play the. You know, if the movie ends differently, and David, you know, would David get in trouble afterwards? You know, say so they, they get off the
1: planet, and well, I think definitely Savick's gonna. Be, <laughs> is he gonna tell on him? Well, so here's here's another thing. They clearly so. Part of the reason why I think this discussion happens is because they have a relationship. Mm-hmm. I think if it was anybody else, he doesn't answer these questions. Oh, interesting. I think because they're on the planet, trapped, they have sort of a – we know that they have a romantic relationship. I feel like they know each other and that she he can honestly answer these questions. So I think I would, I would say that she would not – I don't think she would tell on him, so to speak. <laughs> she wouldn't pull a Cindy Brady. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so do you do you think she would tell on him?
0: Um, you know, I think she would. I think she would. You know, uh, because because she'd have to file a report. <laughs> and
1: uh, yeah, but she know. doesn't necessarily have to file it about about that.
0: I don't know. You know, it's like. Uh, uh, Spock would do it, you know. A Vulcan would do it. Like, well, here's all the fa- here's the conversation I had. Oh yeah, by the way,
1: you know, uh, proto
0: matter. I don't know.
1: I guess. I mean,
0: I'm also I'm also you also got me thinking as you're asking me that. I'm also thinking like, well, who else would he have confessed this to? Like, if it was anyone else, I think I think if it had been Kirk in him, yeah, in this situation, I think I think he would have confessed to him. But I was like, well, if it was Chekhov, you know, if it's a
1: situation, to oh, no, me, it was Chekov. Well, yeah, I think. I think that's why I think that's why he confesses to her is yeah. because they the the previous relationship. Right. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, yeah the more I think yeah she'd probably tell on him. <laughs> she does things by the book. By the book. So Yeah, by the book. Uh, and also with Genesis it's Genesis re-
0: <laughs> It's never really uh I guess because of what goes down in this film, you know the Genesis project is no more. And and I get it are being all hypothetical and say, okay, they get off the planet. She, uh, if she didn't rat him out mm. and he went back to work and said, well, I'm going to build, you know, Genesis Mark two, you know, right. Which he rat him out then. And be Like, look, you already, you know, yeah. If she doesn't, r-
1: yeah. If she doesn't rat him out at the end, out of loyalty or love or whatever and then he's like hey I'm gonna start doing Genesis 2 I think yeah she totally would be like uh uh (laughs) sorry you're uh you're going down or she would show up in the last the last scene
0: and be like I got transferred to your science station we're gonna figure this out together and she'll be wearing the no proto matter (laughs) t-shirt no proto matter Um, speaking of protomatter, I did, I did uh, did a little little research on it. Um, and, uh, of course, protomatter is a highly dangerous, unstable form of matter. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? She pretty much gives us the textbook definition here. Uh, (laughs) but it is, uh, it's, it's got, uh, it's got, um, it shows up a lot in, in the Star Trek series. Uh, uh, a lot of it in DS9. There's multiple, uh, Mm -hmm. instances in DS9 where, um, so one of them, Doctor Bashir, tries to destroy a sun <laughs> with protomatter, and, wow. th- and there's another one where another scientist tries to attempt to reignite a star, well, which I guess would really be the same thing, right? Destroy a sun, or a s- destroy a sun, or reignite a star. Yeah, um, uh, and it also shows up a Voyager a couple of times. So this is not the last, not the last of last appearance of protomatter. So kudos to the writers, you know. I... Um, this could easily have been just a one-off thing and, you know, right. hear about it again, but the, they definitely used it for um, some additional plots later on. And I have I have one last note.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: Um, let's talk about the, 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 the snowy desert. Um, the scene <laughs> where David is confessing and Sp- <laughs> Spock number
1: one sitting in his lap. Uh, and I think I missed it, too. Wait, wait, is that how we're going to refer to them now? Is Spock number one? Spock number hey, one. Hey, you're, you're Spock two? Yep. You're Spock number one.
0: When David's rubbing his head like when he knows that all this is my fault, uh, the cactus they're sitting in front of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I made something like that in science class. <laughs> You can see all of the, like the, what is it, Like the mesh they use to paint yes. and shave this thing. You can see <laughs> yes. paint drips. I'm like, oh my God.
1: Um, I can yeah. F- whoever let this one out of the editing room or even let it on film, <laughs> just move them over a little bit and have them cover the badness or something. But yeah, it just, it it's, it's pretty glaring there. Yeah. And you
0: know, I can forgive, you know, the spray on styrofoam, you know, if, fake rocks and stuff, but this one is like, oh my god, I can see everything. Um, so anyway, that's my that's how I, that's my last note for this minute, is the <laughs> terrible
1: cactus. Yes.
0: Bad. How about you? Do you have anything else for this minute? I don't. I'm good. Alright, so the Big David Confession. Yes. Alright, well let's wrap it up, and we'll uh, um, in the meantime, folks, if you want to uh, head on over to the star trek minute listener federation which is our group on facebook uh where you can come in and and talk about the show talk about fake cactus whatever whatever you want to share with us um and we are going to be back again on wednesday talking about minute 54 of the search for spock here at the star trek minute bye now
1: bye